This is Dane Holstrom, Divorce Authority. We're going to be talking about a lot of different subjects in family law. There are some important items that I'm required to share with you so that you understand the limited purpose of my going over all of this information with you. No matter what the specific topic, it's very important for you to understand that this information is not intended as legal advice for any specific person or any specific type or actual case. My sharing this information with you is not designed to create an attorney-client relationship. Everybody's case is different and nobody's results are the same. Just because we may discuss what happened in some other client's case that may in fact sound similar to yours or some other situation does not suggest that your case or the results would be the same or even similar. The discussion of specific cases are fictionalized and may not be real clients or cases. The purpose of these podcasts is to help you understand the framework of how these issues are decided, provide you a better understanding of the process, and hopefully give you insight as to how you might prepare and conduct yourself and your case to get a better result. There is absolutely no substitute for a consultation or hiring a competent, trained family law attorney. And I encourage you to seek out such an attorney as soon as practical in your case. Divorce Authority is a brand and registered trademark of Holstrom Block & Park, a professional law corporation. I've been practicing family law for 30 years. I've been certified by the state of California as a family law specialist. So I know a thing or two about divorce. I'm Dane Holstrom, and I am the Divorce Authority. Today we're going to talk about the challenges of finding good representation, and good representation means good representation for you. There are every different kind of attorneys, just like there are every different kind of people in every other profession. Some are good, some are not so good, some are strong and confident, some are not so. Some are empathetic, some are not at all. Finding the right person for you, your personality, and your case can be very challenging. So we're gonna talk about the process of researching and finding a good attorney that fits you and your case. We're gonna talk about expectations, yours and the attorneys. We're gonna talk about what you do during the relationship to avoid traps and pits, pitfalls that can befall any relationship, professional or otherwise, when there's an, a failed expectation or a misunderstanding, which is the same thing in my book. And finally, we'll talk about the research that you have to do um, all the way through your case, your process, and how do you conduct yourself in the litigation so as to make sure that you and the attorney are aligned towards the same goals. So with, uh, without further delay in that, how do you find a good attorney? Well, there's no question in my mind that the best way to get a, a good referral is to hear a good recommendation from someone you know and trust personally who has been through a similar process. And I'm, I'm putting emphasis on certain words that'll become apparent why. And what's the difference between those and online reviews? Well. <laughs> The biggest problems with online reviews is they are susceptible to, to fraud, frankly, in this most simple sense. It is not unusual at all, unfortunately, to have opposing parties or even competitors um, falsely post reviews on some attorney's websites. And it happens, unfortunately, with some regularity. And it's almost impossible to catch it. Um, so online reviews are both anonymous often and even if they have a name 
you don't know that they're real people or what they've gone through. Second, let's assume it's a totally legitimate review. Their circumstance may be completely different from yours. They could have a custody case and you could have a financial case. So you need to be careful about reading and giving too much weight to reviews. Moreover, clients, like attorneys, are coming in every, every variety. The one commonality they have is they all have a challenge. They all have a problem that they want to deal with or overcome. Some of those challenges are very, very daunting. And this is where the managing expectations become so important. If you go into an attorney and they act like a used car salesman and they pound the table and they tell you how they're going to kick the other side's butt and they're going to make you a hero, run. Do not walk to the exit. The problem with those attorneys is they may still have a lot of confidence, but it is absolutely foolhardy to tell a client potentially that you're guaranteeing an outcome. There are two, there are three possible outcomes. One, you hit a home run, client wins, client's happy. Then the client looks at it from this perspective. You, the client says, well, yeah, you told me my case was pretty easy, so no big deal. Second off, you fail and you don't get what the attorney led you to believe you're going to get. Now what happens? Well, either the attorney's a liar or they're incompetent or both because they told you they were going to go out there and kick butt and they didn't. So my concern is when you hear those kinds of things from attorneys and somebody's effectively guaranteeing you a result, they are setting everybody up for failure, especially the, re the relationship between you and your attorney. What else? Uh, online reviews. Clients. There are good people, bad people. There are understanding people and people who think that the attorney is their, um, their servant at their beck and call. There are people who think that they can have a very confident and while trusting and loyal relationship with their attorney where the interests are all aligned. And there are people who have unreasonable expectations. People that say, I want to make sure that my wife of 30 years gets no spousal support even though they make 100000 or 200000 or a million dollars a year. And to those people, I say, ain't going to happen. And if that is what you need to see happen, we're not a good fit for you. Candidly, if somebody tells you what you want to hear, be careful. The most important thing in a trusting and confident attorney-client relationship is being able to understand all the risks and all the challenges. What is the cost-benefit analysis of each decision? What's going to happen to me if I do this? What's going to happen to me if I don't do this? Attorneys that do not communicate to you that way should concern you. People that, attorneys that communicate to you that you're going to do this, then you're going to do this, and you're going to do this, that ain't us. Some people may want that, and I respect that different people want different things. But our attorneys are absolutely 100% trained to focus on what the client wants and needs are and give them all of the choices and all of the consequences, good and bad. What is this going to do? How much is this going to cost? There's a biggie, okay? First question, answer is most attorneys can't guess what it's going to cost, and that includes me when we first start a case. Why? 
because there are so many different things that can happen in a case that can change the direction like that, and you just don't know when and where they're going to happen. Other consequences. What effect is this going to have on the remainder of my case? What does this do to my chances of quote-unquote winning or losing? Is this going to potentially adversely affect my relationship with my children in some unexpected way? Most people don't ever think about that if it's a non-custody related issue, but it's always a factor. That does not have to dictate what your decision is or how you conduct yourself, but it gives you more information to consider. In my mind, a good attorney tells you all of the risks, all of the consequences, all across the board, even if you don't see them. Why? Because in theory, this is perhaps the first time you're going through such a situation, whereas the attorney, a competent, experienced attorney, has gone through it a hundred, if not a thousand times, and they've seen the more likely foreseeable consequences of certain conduct or actions. And they should be able to inform you of what those choices and consequences are. Moreover, attorneys that tell you what to do are basing their decision on their thought processes and not on your thought processes. And that's critical. You want an attorney who's going to help you get to where you want to be, not an attorney that's going to tell you where they want you to be. That's just wrong. If you want to try to settle your case and the attorney is hell-bent on what we call scorched earth, then you know what? That attorney is just not a good fit for you. On the flip side, if it's more important to you that you make your ex-spouse's life a living hell and you don't care what it costs, then there are attorneys that will do that for you. Don't call us, though, because we don't do that. At the same time, you might need a strong attorney that will help defend you to a super aggressive ex-spouse on the flip side. So all of these things are taken into your consideration as you're finding the right attorney for you, your personality, and your case. Now, what's the process? We talked about referrals from friends. We talked a little bit about online reviews. What else? Well, look at the attorney or the law firm's website, and here's a couple of things to look out for. Do they have one attorney and they practice criminal law, family law, bankruptcy law, civil litigation, real estate law, and they're the guy or the woman. And you look at that website and you go, well, wait a second. It's the old jack of all trades and master of none. Or are they absolute, in the terms of the state bar, specialist? This is what they do and this is all they do. That's important. What do they charge for a retainer? What is a retainer? A retainer is the amount you usually pay an attorney when they work on an hourly rate up front. Some law firms require you to pay a retainer up front. Some require you to continue to deposit funds into what's called the state bar trust account to maintain activity on your case. In other words, you're paying money in advance of work by typically a month uh, to make sure that your case continues to proceed uninterrupted. What are the hourly rate? or rates. That's important because there may be a really, really good attorney who's also really, really expensive that may be overkill for your case. It's not uncommon for me to talk to people about their case and I can you know, look at it from you know, 20,000 foot view and say, okay, I see these issues, this issue, this issues, but 
you don't want me for your attorney. I am too expensive, and you don't need to spend that amount of money on your case with the level of issues and complications that you have. And so that's what we do. Now, the good news is, is that we have other attorneys at different levels, and we can consider different fits based on personalities, based upon geographic locations, things like that. That's another thing, geography. Does this client, does this attorney you're talking to, do they normally appear in the court where you have to go for your case based on where you live or where your spouse lives? That's important. Why? Number one, they don't know the judges. They don't know how the judges apply the law. Number two, they're going to charge you, most likely, travel time to drive from, let's say, West Los Angeles to San Diego. Okay? You may have found this greatest attorney, but guess what? You get a few bills at five or $600 an hour you know, for driving three hours each way to a hearing, and that's going to get expensive pretty quick. Maybe you don't mind that, and that's okay. Well, what if somebody says my retainer is $2,500 and another attorney says my retainer is $5,000? Oh, shoot, the other one's cheaper, right? No, that's not true. The retainer is only the amount you typically pay to hire the attorney. Then you have to compare the hourly rates. Why? If both attorneys are $300 an hour and both attorneys charge a $3,000 retainer, guess what? You, you got it. You know it's going to be, they're estimating 10 hours for the immediate activity on your case. What happens if one person, however, charges you a $3,000 retainer, the other one charges a $6,000 retainer, and they both have to do 20 hours of work immediately on your case? Well, here's what's going to happen. The one that charged you the $6,000 retainer is going to have adequate funds to do the case the way that they see your case needs to be done. I'm not saying that estimate is right, wrong, high, low, whatever. I'm just saying be careful of the low retainer because that person is going to come back to you in a couple of weeks and say, you know what? You've run out of money. We need more. And now you're committed. You're like, oh my God, I've already invested, you know, you know, $2,500 or $3,000 with this attorney. If I don't stay with them, I'm going to have to pay the same amount to another attorney starting all over again. So be careful of, of those kinds of things that can happen. And I'm not saying it's unethical. I'm not saying it's wrong because one of the things we always do, regardless of the retainer, is discuss what can happen, what can, what can result from going on, especially when there's a complicated case that needs immediate action, something with domestic violence where we have to get to court immediately, something where we need to protect somebody from assets or child abuse or something like that. We know we're going to be in court. We know we're going to be doing a ton of work right away. So be especially careful for the kind of cases where you know you've got that kind of case and somebody's quoting you a relatively low retainer. Either they're not a very good attorney or they're going to be asking you for more money. Again, what are your expectations? What should I expect? And that is a reasonable question. Another thing to watch for is when you look at the website, you find out that they have 15 offices and they're spread out over a wide area, whatever that wide area means, but they only have two attorneys. Uh-oh. Once again, master of all courts? <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. The reality is they have less experience in each court because of that. Two, they're going to be very constricted in being able to dedicate necessary time to your case. Now, I'm making a distinction between firms that have a number of offices and a relatively large or relatively large number of attorneys. 
where certain attorneys work in certain offices. That's a different scenario. So watch, watch for the, the scenario where people broadcast that they have 15 offices throughout California, but they only have three attorneys. That should be a real scary thought. Talked about managing expectations. It's important for me as a lawyer and for all the attorneys that work with me to understand what's important to the client, help the client understand if their expectations are reasonable or not. If the attorney is not confident enough and strong enough to tell you, here are the problems with your expectations and here's why you're going to be challenged in achieving the result that you have asked for specifically. Keep that in mind. I am not saying that if attorney tells you that your expectation is unreasonable, even tells you you don't have a snowball's chance and you know what, okay? If they are a good attorney and they're confident, they should be able to say that to you without you getting up and walking out the door saying, well, you're helping the other side or you don't believe in my case. No, that's not what we're saying at all. What we're trying to, to help you understand is that you need to understand if your expectations are reasonable and if you're doomed to fail because of that. Even if you have your favorite TV attorney, you know, Perry Mason, Matlock, I don't know, whoever's in the most recent television show that's going on or streaming program, pick the best attorney you can think of in your imagination. And if they say to you, you got a problem with what you want to accomplish, you really should listen. You don't have to agree. No problem with getting a second opinion. If you hear the same thing from a couple of equally qualified attorneys, the problem may not be the attorney. And there's a big, big, big difference between telling you, as I call it, saying to you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear. That does not mean that we cannot be your advocate. It does not mean that we won't fight to the death for you to help you get what you want. But we feel the absolute need to explain to you that our chances for success are going to be challenged. Conversely, the attorney that tells you everything you want to hear, tells you you're going to win the used car salesman I was telling you about, tells you you're going to win, you got, you're going to get everything you want, you know, just get out of there. Don't, don't, don't even stay there because you're A, wasting your time, B, wasting your money, and C, hurting your case. What are some of the challenges that clients have with attorneys? And I've been doing this a long time and managing a lot of attorneys and had a lot of cases. And again, it comes from failed expectations more often than anything else. Well, the expectations can be yours, the client. And it's very reasonable for you to create a checklist of your own of what questions you want to ask the attorney during the interview process. Number one, will you be my attorney? Will you have other people working on my case? Who are they? May I meet them? What is the hourly rate of the people that would be working on my case? Will you charge me if I send you an email or call you on the phone? All of these are very, very reasonable questions. Will you charge me travel time to go to court? And I'm not speculating on what any of the answers will be or what you should do based on those answers. I'm just telling you to get firm expectations when you hire them because it's the, the failure to meet the expectations is what will create conflict in your relationship with your attorney. Understand the financial expectations. What should I expect to pay based on 
a reasonable level of activity, assuming that Vesuvius doesn't blow up. And that's a reasonable question, but it's only an estimate. Um, you, there are things that happen in a case that non-attorneys are unaware of, like discovery. We may say, hey, we think that $2,000 will carry you through this month. The next thing you know, the other side setting up an emergency hearing, we call it an ex parte, in court tomorrow to try to take custody away from you. Or they serve hundreds of pages of discovery on us that we have to respond to in the next 30 days. And all of a sudden, your case just got way more expensive and way more involved. So there are lots of things that we can't even guess about uh, happening until they happen. And so I'm not telling you that every attorney should be clairvoyant and should be able to crystal ball some magic idea of what's going to happen. They can't do that. But they can give you a reasonable estimate of what they see at this time. So you can understand if your expectations are reasonable and can be reasonably met. As you progress through your case, it's important that your attorneys sit down with you, whether it's by phone or video conference or a live meeting, whatever's going on, that they sit down with you and again, discuss choices and consequences. Do we do a deposition in this case, which is a relatively expensive discovery device where we interview somebody before and take their testimony and cross-examine them without going to court? Does that make sense in your case? If so, why? Why do you want to do that? What does it cost? What do you expect to gain by doing that? All reasonable questions. Some attorneys, um, well, every attorney will probably tell you, or every competent attorney will tell you, that it is their decision on what tactics are going to be employed. And I absolutely believe the clients have to respect the attorney's right to choose the tactics. They do not, however, have a right to dictate the strategy or to dictate how much money you're going to spend. So listen, ask questions, and make an agreement with the, with the attorney on how you want to proceed based upon your cost, expectations, and needs. As you go through your case, if you're having questions and concerns about what's going on in your case, or the conduct of the attorney or the law firm, set up a meeting. Set up a meeting with your attorney, Set up a meeting with the manager if, if that's what you want to do. Discuss your problems or concerns about what's happening. In my practice, this is a real simple issue of customer service. And I will tell you that just as a matter of common sense and, and simply policy, we will never, ever, ever charge a client to talk with them about their concerns about their case. Even if it crosses over into tactics and, and a discussion of their case, which of course it will. We also never, ever, ever charge to talk to a client about a bill. It always surprises me when, when a client comes to me after changing attorneys because they've come to us after leaving another attorney, and the client comes to us and, and has a question about their prior attorney's bill. And I have to look at them and say, I, I'm sorry, this says right on the billing entry, discuss client's billing, you know, $0.4, $200. That's insane. Uh, it makes no sense. Um, so at the same time, it may come a time where you do need to leave your attorney. You can't work out your differences. You don't feel like it's a good fit, whether it's because of the interpersonal relationship dynamics, person's not empathetic enough, too empathetic, not aggressive, too aggressive, whatever. Um, then you need to change. And when you need to change, guess what? They're now repeating the process. 
And when you repeat the process that you started where you started searching for attorney, now you need to look with your new gained experience. Again, I'm quoting now. Experience is what you get when you didn't get what you wanted. So you've gained new experience and new insight about the kind of a relationship with an attorney that you do not want to have. And so you're going to be more educated when you look for a new attorney. The challenge becomes, however, that sometimes when you need to change attorneys, you have to do it very, very quickly. And that's because of pending hearings and the like. So uh, try to stay out of that situation. Try to choose right the first time. I will add one more thought. And I mentioned, I thought about it when I mentioned the word aggressive. Um, just because somebody is the loudest bully in the room and they raise their voice and they raise their pitch and they pound their fist on the table, that doesn't make them a good lawyer. And it doesn't make them a good lawyer and a good fit for you. It makes for good drama, but that's not what the judge who's going to make the decisions wants to see. And frankly, it's going to, more likely than not, it's going to antagonize the other side and or the other attorney, which is going to complicate your case and definitely not get you the result you wanted. So always be aware that, that TV drama attorneys is not necessarily the best fit for your case. I want to thank you for investing your time in this episode, and I hope you found this information helpful. If you'd like more information, you can download our free ebook, Divorce 101 on our website, divorceauthority.com. You can also follow me on social media at Divorce Authority. I'm Dane Holstrom, and when I do becomes I don't, turn to Divorce Authority.